Welcome to Just Us and God. This is Ellen speaking. I apologize in advance for any background noise. And before we go any further, I encourage you to pause the recording, look in the description, whether you're listening as on audio on as a podcast or whether you're watching it as a video on YouTube. I urge you to pause and look in the description and there you will find a few links to some videos which have quite clear descriptions explaining some very important fundamental principles that underpin this teaching which many Christians have <laughs> I'm hearing are undernourished on haven't haven't got a good grasp on it haven't been taught it so in the aid of keeping the teaching short and not reinventing the wheel I felt that it was better to include those links to the videos in the description so that you can access those videos and I truly urge you it's okay if you listen to this recording before you watch the videos but if you do that I encourage you to then come back to this recording because you'll get a much better understanding of the significance of what the Lord is sharing in this recording if you've first watched those two or three short videos. If you're new as a listener, I want to welcome you to the channel. If you're returning, I thank you for coming back and listening. And I do pray that what I'm sharing is nourishing you. I want to acknowledge once again that what I share is often material that I'm, I'm in the process of learning myself. The Lord said to me once, share and learn, share and learn. And so the image that we have is that we're all on our trajectories, all on our journeys, hopefully all going in the same direction, but on unique paths and at different stages, but that as we share, we'll all learn and be edified. And I'm trusting in this process that the Holy Spirit, our God Almighty, who's put the stars in their trajectories, is able to orchestrate who comes and listens to this and what I share and what you hear and that Holy Spirit will minister to you through what you're hearing to reach you in just the place where you need to be met. The messages that I'm sharing increasingly sound like exhortation. There are revelations which, if we're not coming from a space of a deep relationship with the Lord where we have a depth of understanding about his character and his intentions towards us and his capacity to look after us, then those revelations may sound um, quite confronting. This channel truly is becoming something which is for Christians who are spiritual or who are hungry to step into being spiritual Christians. We have a world that's overwhelmingly full of people who consider themselves Christian, but through lack of awareness or many other reasons, haven't had the wherewithal up until now to learn what it is to step from being a carnal or fleshly or worldly Christian to what it is to be a spiritual person, which is what the Lord is calling us to be. And at the moment, there is an increasing urgency because it's in making that transition from a fleshly existence and an earthly existence to a spiritual uh, frame of reference and experience for our lives will give us protection and the strength to stand 
in the challenging times that we're now entering into. Now the Lord is getting me to share things which are not visible to the natural eye, but which are coming in the relatively near future. The Lord does ask those who are listening and willing to share what we're hearing at risk of being called crazy or fear-mongering or whatever in order to prepare the saints, prepare our brothers and sisters and give them a heads up as to what's coming. And the main preparation is, brothers and sisters, and I exhort you that we are spending time in the quiet place, in the secret place, seeking the Lord. And as we do this and as we willingly and lovingly surrender our lives to Christ Jesus because we know he's Lord of our lives and has all the best intentions for us and is more capable than anyone to order our paths and our days in a way that's fruitful for us and beneficial for humankind. As we do these things, he will strengthen us and equip us for the journey ahead and the things that we're coming, the experiences that he's expecting because he can foresee them. So in spite of the fact that there is now a sense of urgency which will often be conveyed in the things that I share, God is able, he's bigger than us and he is in control of time. So as I was um, told today in a direct prophetic word from someone, um, God can add time to us, he can redeem the moment and so now I'm feeling um, prompted to share Uh, just a beautiful experience where there is someone who I met um, only weeks ago and who I started to share about Jesus with and they opened up very quickly and it turned out that they were um, overripe for the picking so to speak Um, they were like the fruit that just falls off in your hand and had already accepted Jesus into their life about four years ago in some semblance but because of past experiences with mainstream churches had avoided spending time with Christians and therefore hadn't been given any kind of guidance as to how to steward their Christian walk and in the weeks since we've had that first conversation I've hardly had any contact with this person and they haven't been talking with any other Christians haven't entered any churches as yet and I think there's a protection in that at this stage but they have been meeting Jesus meeting the Holy Spirit and the Father in the quiet place and have had such amazing encounters that it's very clear to see that because of the time that we're coming into the Lord is supernaturally manifesting the things that need to be manifested in the lives of those who are coming to him to equip them so that they are equally strong to stand to the end alongside their brothers and sisters who may have been disciples of Christ Jesus for much longer and so that's quite an exciting thing and just an example and you know it's no different whether someone has come out of the world Um, in a way that they've excluded Christianity in in all its guises or whether someone has been sitting in churches for decades and thought they were Christian and are now just starting to realize 
that there's much more to Christianity than what they had thought there was. For all of us, God can just level the playing field and it's really between each of us as individuals. We mustn't be comparing ourselves with others because that will feed pride one way or another and pride is, is our enemy. There's, there's a healthy pride which is a self-love and self-acceptance which is not at odds with God's uh, values but there is a very unhealthy pride which is relates to um, the, the fall of Satan and to combat that pride what we do is we ask God to give us humility and that doesn't need to be a painful process God can change us and mold us and shape us very gently but the, the, the scripture says that God resists the pride and gives grace to the humble and we certainly are at a time in our lives brothers and sisters where we need truckloads of grace and so to be actively humbling ourselves not in a false humility that's just about appearances but in a true depth of humility inside us and doing away with pride and asking the Holy Spirit to help us to develop humility and um, for the pride that has had a hold on us to be diminished um, will help us to grow and develop as healthy Christians. So as long as we're willing to repent and turn to the Lord, He is very able. And so really, the empowerment that we're looking for in all reality comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, which says, Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation leading to salvation so it all starts with an awareness that hey I'm not in a in alignment with God and you know none of us is perfectly in alignment with God we all have spaces where we can um, come to the father and ask him to draw us in to cleanse us to reshape us remold us um, I'm hearing repurpose us so we're more in alignment with what he wants from us and what he wants for us more importantly and what he wants to do through us and it's only as we surrender to his will and purposes that we're able to experience the fullness of life that God designed us for and now I, I just feel that although that's been a lengthy introduction that it actually has been relevant and again I ask you to look at those videos that I've left the links to in the description um, and, and I also encourage you to look more broadly, to do a search on YouTube for different videos with a similar title because you'll find that people uh, share different ideas and hopefully you'll find some commonalities within those, particularly scriptural references which can form the backbone of your beliefs and your understanding of what it truly means to spiritually come alive in Christ Jesus ask the Lord for discernment you have the Holy Spirit in you and he discerns truth and guides you to all truth so be willing to sit with the Lord and and feel for his guidance um, and surrender to his spirit as you learn these teachings so that he can guide you and and show you perhaps sometimes we need to do what a friend used to refer to as chewing the meat and spitting out the bones taking what um, resonates as truth for us 
and getting rid of um, anything else that might have crept into some teachings which just doesn't resonate as truth. And so to launch into the body of this teaching, we know that Jesus Christ told Nicodemus that unless we're born again and born of the Spirit, that we will not see the kingdom of God. So this is John chapter 3, verse 3 through verse 6. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There are two ideas in this scripture which are essential for us to get a grasp on. So one is repeated in two sentences. In the first sentence, Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that idea is expressed again when he says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And the second idea uh, is where Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is is spirit and so we can see that he makes this very clear distinction that we want to see if we're born of the flesh we will see the things of the flesh manifesting in our lives and he's showing us very clearly in the scripture that once we're born of the spirit we will see the things of the spirit manifesting in our lives something that the Lord showed me in the course of preparing me to release this teaching is that when the angel was talking with Mary about um, giving birth to Jesus, that that was like a type and example for being born again in the Spirit. Now, it's a little bit tricky going through this scripture because we know that on the face of it and its primary purpose is to be describing what happens with Mary and, and what's um, going to happen with Jesus. However, there are spiritual truths impregnated in this scripture. And so I am going to read it all through and then pick it apart a little bit with you. So I'm reading from Luke chapter 1. All these scriptures are from the New King James. And this is starting at verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will bring him, sorry, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This scripture is incredibly rich with spiritual principles, um, and I will not get them all, but I'm going to cover a handful of them. Now the scripture tells us that many are called and few are chosen. We notice that the angel in verse 28 greets Mary by saying, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The experience that we're talking about here is not one that every person who says the sinner's prayer or believes on Jesus from a kind of an intellectual standpoint experiences. The experience is something to celebrate and it speaks of favor and it's an acknowledgement that we're wanting to draw nearer to God and he's wanting to embrace us. He's wanting to um, increase the intimacy of this relationship and take it to the next level, so to speak. Blessed are you among women. Through this, this experience, as we follow it through to its conclusion, we're entering into a period of blessings. I've been hearing, uh, particularly roughly 18 months ago, there were many prophetic words on YouTube talking about coming into your promised land. And I believe that this is what the promised land looks like. And many of us have been looking for a change in our worldly circumstances. And that may well come hand in hand with it. But primarily what this stepping over or stepping walking through the uh, Jordan River on the dry riverbed between the walls of water looks like is a crossing over from the physical or worldly in nature to the spiritual realms as a spiritual being. It's another metaphor for um, for the rebirth and to me it alludes to Jesus statement that unless you're born of the water and of the spirit you will not enter the kingdom of God it's a whole other teaching which I can't go into at the moment Luke chapter 1 it speaks of Mary being troubled um, being considering what manner of greeting this was God is calling us into a new experience with him which requires us to become more vulnerable and to set down our protective barriers that we've put up. And the angel says, You've found favour with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
much even in these verses and we know that this is talking about Jesus however as a type and example it is talking about our spiritual rebirth elements that allude to that are the statement that Mary will conceive in her womb and bring forth a son he'll be called the son of the highest once we are reborn we are adopted and grafted into God's family and we are considered sons Jesus is the firstborn he's the only begotten son but we are spiritual sons of the God most high thing that's interesting that the Lord showed me in the course of preparing to release this message was where it says in verse 33 and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever the name Jacob you know Jacob was a precursor to Israel and Jacob struggled and became Israel after he received the blessing and so what we're being told is that our new person our spirit man the person spiritual person that we're becoming is going to reign over that fleshly being or that uh, more carnal in nature person that we were that was always struggling with our flesh nature and with sin we're entering into God's rest now in the rebirth we enter into God's rest of his kingdom there will be no end in the rebirth we are entering into God's kingdom and it can't be taken away There's, we will be changed so fundamentally that there is no turning back as Mary asked for clarification the angel said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of god so there's a few points in here the holy spirit will come upon us and the power of the highest will overshadow you this comes with an experience of the infilling of the holy spirit perhaps the baptism of the holy spirit and the holy spirit the power of the holy spirit overshadows us there's a supernatural um a surrender we're surrendering to his power his authority we are deliberately giving him permission and we may or may not speak that out it might be just a sense that we have again it's likely to go hand in hand with an experience of godly sorrow producing repentance leading to our salvation which is what this whole experience is about now something that the Lord showed me was that when it says the power of the highest will overshadow you that word power in the Greek is dunamis and that dunamis speaks of potential and capability ability and so that power it's not just talking about what God is but he's filling us with his capacity with his ability he's making us able and what's he making us able for this scripture continues therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of god so the holy spirit overshadows us with our permission he never does this without our permission he does this filling us with his supernatural ability that we can be transformed into the likeness of god albeit usually quite gradually 
producing our spirit man, which is then considered the holy one, considered a holy, well, <laughs> Jesus is the holy one. But we, as a type and example, we, it's talking about our spirit man, which is holy. We are called to be holy. We're not, you know, for some people maybe bless their socks they may have an instantaneous experience where they're absolutely sanctified and perfected all in one experience and I'd love that to happen but for most of it it happens in stages as we let go of the things that God's calling us out of and the angel talks about what's happening with Mary's cousin Elizabeth and he says for with God nothing will be impossible and now that just brings to mind the scripture where Jesus says to the disciples after talking about the rich man and how hard it is to enter the kingdom of heaven and the disciples look at him in wonder and say then who can enter the kingdom of heaven and Jesus says for man it is impossible but with God nothing is impossible and this is the absolute key here so many Christians are missing out on the fullness of what Christianity is meant to be because we've been trying to do it in our own strength in our own understanding with the assistance of men and we haven't been abiding in God and allowing him to abide in us and with the assistance of the Holy Spirit who is God being transformed uh, into the likeness of Jesus from glory to glory or from um, experiencing God's presence to experiencing God's presence and so that's just a confirmation that we can't be doing it in our own strength we certainly there we're called to partner with God to surrender to him and to be being obedient to the best of our ability but this is all about God giving us his supernatural provision molding us and shaping us touching us putting his supernatural hand on us and changing us himself from being a carnal Christian to a spiritual Christian but we need to be in agreement with him we need to give him his our permission and we need to be showing through our decisions our choices our behaviors the way that we spend our time and our resources that we truly are partnered with him and in agreement and this this is what we want for our lives and that's just um reiterated in verse 38 when mary says behold the maidservant of the lord let it be to me according to your word so she's giving god her permission which is an absolutely essential part of allowing this to happen it's interesting that word power is repeated in acts chapter 1 verse 8 where jesus says but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witness to me in, Je in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So that word power which Jesus uses there to describe what's happening when the Holy Spirit comes upon us is the word dunamis again which is exactly the same word that's used in Luke chapter 1 when the angel is talking to Mary. So we want, we want to be reborn. We want to partner with the Lord to be reborn. And we know that this is a movement from the carnal, the fleshly, the worldly, into the things of the spiritual nature, the spiritual realm, the birth of our spiritual man. And in the process of that happening, what has to take place 
is the severing of the soul from the spirit. In Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, that rebirth, lest anyone fall according to the example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, infused with the Holy Spirit, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so really what this scripture is saying is one day we must stand before God and we won't be able to hide the things in our heart. Therefore, we must allow him to bring us to a situation where our carnal stuff, which is associated with sin, it's our flesh which is vulnerable to sin and exerts pressure on the soul, influence on the soul to sin. But our spirit, when we've received the Holy Spirit through believing on Jesus, is influenced by the Holy Spirit. And as we actively walk out the process of sanctification hand in hand with Jesus Christ, reading the scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us not just for 10 minutes on a Sunday not even just for 15 minutes each day but I'm sorry brothers and sisters the time has come when we need to be spending hours with the Lord if we're spending hours at the coffee shop with a friend if we're spending hours gossiping with someone or talking about worldly events that's time that would be better spent in a quiet place with the Lord reading scripture and um, seeking the Lord, worshipping him and seeking his guidance. It's very eye-opening for me that this lady who I've already mentioned who has only considered herself Christian for a number of weeks told me today after relating two beautiful God encounters that she has been spending hours each day reading the scripture and praying and seeking the Lord. And so, you know, we reap what we sow, don't we? There is nothing in this world that's more important or more urgent than ensuring our eternal salvation. So just returning to the scripture for a moment, um, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And so as we immerse ourselves in scripture, whether that's taking part in teachings and gatherings where there's an overwhelming focus on sharing scripture, whether um, and, and as we apply it in our lives, whether we're spending time reading the Bible, not from an intellectual perspective, but with the leading of the Holy Spirit. He is making a division between our soul and spirit. And so that brings me now to the analogy, finally, which the Lord wanted me to share and which this whole teaching is really um, shaped around. So we're talking about rebirth, yeah. We're moving from um, one realm, which is the, the physical earthly realm and which is carnal in nature, where we're influenced by the flesh and by sin, into a spiritual nature where we're called to be holy, um, which we won't be perfected in uh immediately but where we will be overwhelmingly influenced by the Holy Spirit in our lives with the decisions we make, the way we spend our time, the way that we relate to one another and where we can definitely expect to 
experience the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, whether it's in that order or not, I don't know, I don't mind. Also, humility rather than pride and overwhelmingly love, God's un unconditional love and forgiveness for ourselves and others. Not a forgiveness that pins people's sins on them, but the sort of forgiveness that, that God gave where our sins are washed away and forgotten and it's celebration of freedom and love and reconciliation. These are the things that we can be expecting to be experiencing as we step from our sin nature into being a spiritual person and our inner man is strengthened by the Holy Spirit as we turn our back on the things of the world and we reject the things of sin and no longer allow our flesh or carnal soulish mind to control our spirit but overwhelmingly embrace the overpowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives stepping from one realm into another from the physical into the spiritual and what the Lord was showing me was that it's very similar to when a baby an infant emerges from the mother's womb so in the womb the child experiences the womb as um, as their immediate surroundings as their entire environment they may have some awareness of something beyond the womb just as um, for carnal Christians we may have experiences of hearing from God or having God break through and show us things communicate with us but that essentially the womb is essentially what their experience is and then at birth they're pushed out into the light <laughs> into um, into a new realm which is more expansive it's broader this is prophetic guys a lot of these words these, these words are not being included by accident. The Holy Spirit is moving here. And so the experiences are very new and way beyond what that infant could possibly have expected. Um, and this transition opens up new opportunities and experiences to the infant. However, what happens at birth is that the midwives cut the umbilical cord. And as they do, they're cutting away the umbilical cord and the afterbirth. And so the Lord wants us to truly consider this carefully. Those things cannot accompany that child into the new life. The child is not going to grow if they insist on keeping the umbilical cord and the afterbirth attached. He's saying this is just like trying to hold on to our sin nature or our carnal ideas and perspectives. He's saying we've got to let go of them and allow that severing between soul and spirit. He's saying that soul is just like that umbilical cord and all that's attached to it. It was definitely useful in our carnal life. And he's saying as a spiritual person who is of my kingdom, in my kingdom now, you don't need it. And he's saying this is one of the things, it, it, essentially it sums up what needs to be left behind, what will not fit through the eye of the needle as we enter into the kingdom. Visualize now what would happen to that infant if that umbilical cord and the afterbirth was not severed they would quickly become very sick and die they would perish they would not they would not thrive live survive much longer and so the Lord is sharing this as a warning um, perhaps he's getting graphic to try and wake us up out of our stupor um, some of us at times 
And this is not as a condemnation. This is not um, an assault against anyone. This is an endeavor to wake people up, to share the information that God has on his heart for us because the time has come when it's important to be sharing this information so that we we are able to make that choice to sever the soul from the spirit, not that we can do it out of our own strength or our own um, cleverness or our own unity with this doctrine or that doctrine or the other. It must come from a sincere heart, from a, a contrite spirit and from our relationship and surrender to our trust and above all our strong faith in Christ Jesus and his ability to transform our lives and so again part and parcel of this process whilst we can undergo it gradually to some extent on a day-to-day basis as we choose a spiritual outcome or we make choices to walk in the spirit rather than walk in the flesh throughout our day every time we think something say something make a decision spend our money spend our time and so on and so forth it also truly will take revelations supernatural revelations God encounters where God can show us what Jesus has done on the cross for us and so each time he shows us reveals a part of that story to us which is the story of our lives the the letting go of the old and the gift of our new life through salvation from Christ Jesus that will transform us to such an extent that there is no going back and it's it's an onward progress um, where where there is <laughs> continual progress and no stagnation and what we will find as we increasingly partner with God in this process and succumb to him succumb to his spirit surrender to him as we will hunger more and more for more of him more of his presence more of his guidance his staff and his rod will comfort us because we'll know through his guidance we and and as we surrender to his guidance and his will for our lives that our purposes in him will come alive and that we will be protected from anything that wants to come against his purposes for our lives again this is not an outward transformation in hebrews 4 um hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 towards the end of it it says it's the the word of god is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and it says that um no creature is hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account and the lord's bringing to mind the beatitudes where jesus says to lust at a, to look lustfully at a woman is to commit adultery to hate someone is akin to murder so this again and again he's asking me to share the scripture of where Jesus said to the Pharisees you know you hypocrites you wash the outside of the cup but you leave the inside dirty and this is what our churches are doing when they minister to people and we're not seeing inward transformations internal spiritual transformations but we're seeing it doesn't matter how much we give someone um, the new things of a worldly nature to set up their lives when they've been in prison or when they've been, um, you know, through difficulties. Yes, we're told to minister to people and that has its place. But to settle for the outward changes in someone's life is such a mistake because when we stop there and we don't encourage inward transformation and facilitate it by encouraging 
the sharing of the word. You know, the word um, the Lord is showing me. This this is uh, it's the fulcrum. It's the center of this whole thing. That's why gave, God gave us His word. It's uh, it's central to this process of change. And if we're not sharing the word um, significantly, if we're not making it a significant part of our lives in very practical ways, then we're stealing ourselves and robbing one another of eternal salvation. And if we're still holding on to that belief that when we say the sinner's prayer and believe, you know, uh, profess that Jesus died on the cross, that we're saved, then what we're doing is we're isolating a small handful of scriptures and blinding ourselves to the rest of the scripture, which shows very plainly that salvation is not something that happens once off at the very start of our journey as a Christian, but is something which we undergo as we are transformed into the spirit. And in plain terms, that makes absolute sense because God is spirit and he is holy and the kingdom is the place where he resides. And the whole reason that Jesus died on the cross was to set us free from our sins because those things make us unholy, which means that if we were to enter God's presence, then we would burn up very quickly. And so Jesus, in giving us the grace, the example and the provision through his Holy Spirit to enable us to be transformed from glory to glory, enables us to experience a transformation that will bring us to a place where we are saved, where we can come and spend eternity in the presence of God, our Saviour, without being burnt by his glory fire and doesn't leave us in hell which is essentially I'm not going to go into the details of what happens to us after we die but essentially we're facing either complete separation from God absolute separation from God or um, being able to be in his presence and overwhelmed by his presence and living in a world which where his love is the permeating light throughout that experience so we're, we're having one or the other and until we're transformed into spirit and let go of sins, we, we can't step into his presence in that fullness when our life ends. And there's one other thing that I believe that the Lord does want me to mention. Um, essentially, the teaching is complete now. However, one of the reasons why there is a sense of urgency to share this is that in experiencing that transformation from being a carnal Christian to a spiritual man um, this spiritual man is a phrase that's in the Bible so I encourage you to to search it up in doing that there is protection for us to illustrate this point I want to share what Paul tells the Corinthians in 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 starting at verse 23 he says in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more frequent in deaths often from the jews five times i received 40 stripes minus one three times i was beaten with rods once i was stoned three times i was shipwrecked a night and a day i have been in the deep 
in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. So we can see there that Paul is describing um, all the uh, tribulations that he's going through. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, from verses verse 16 through to 18, He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outer man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And all of this signifies that Paul is saying that through all those afflictions, what it's doing is it's putting to death his outer man or his fleshly man, his carnal, soulish, sin-vulnerable person and strengthening his inner man, which is his spirit as influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now, until we're transformed into our spiritual nature, when we go through persecutions, tribulations and difficulties, what we tend to do is focus on the difficulties and in doing so we kind of put ourselves into this um, downward spiral which weakens us and takes away our sound mind and we give in to fear um, and analyzing and strategizing in our own strength but as a spiritual person we no longer do that we go to God we draw our strength from the Holy Spirit we ask for his guidance and his comfort which Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit will give us and he leads us into all truth and we receive God's strategies for the situation and God tells us what the next steps are or he tells us just to sit tight and wait he says be still and he's going to fight the battle for us and so on and so forth and so you can see that there is a huge protection in all things for us as the world becomes more dangerous for us as true believers on Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit but he truly is releasing this information through many teachers at the moment because he really wants us to get this so the time has come that we must sever that umbilical cord and that afterbirth of our carnal nature allow him to uh, transform us into being a spiritual person holy and solely of his kingdom and no longer holding on to the things of the sin nature the carnal things the worldly things the things that look good that seem good and right and proper to man but which are not of god and of course the things that we know are not right as a spiritual person we can start to process these things and experience them with god's perspective and with an understanding that God's will is playing out in all these things and that even though we might not be able to see 
the details or what's coming in the future or what the dividends might be in the future or in terms of our salvation that God's got it in his hands and we know we can trust we can absolutely believe in him and trust in him that his intentions towards us are pure are good and so we can stand on a very firm foundation and have an absolute faith not a faith that wavers between doubt and knowing or wanting to believe but an absolute faith that things are working out just the way that God wants them to for us and that we are being strengthened in our inner man in our spiritual being as we experience these trials and tribulations so praise God again even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day those are two very contrasting pictures of the way that we experience tribulations whether according to whether we are still situated in carnal life or whether we are truly being transformed now into a spiritual Christian. Just as a bit of a side note, just affirming the importance of immersing ourselves in the Holy Scriptures. And I personally don't go near the NIV or the NLT. I stick very closely to the New King James. I enjoy the King James, but um, for ease of reading, definitely the New King James. But the important thing is that we're immersing ourselves in the Holy Scriptures. And that um, as we do, particularly with the leading of the Holy Spirit, as he ministers to us and guides us through scripture and through scripture and illuminates it to us, that it is washing us clean. It is gradually um, turning us more holy. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, it says, uh, from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus again this whole idea of you know when are we saved what does it take to be saved this does not suggest to me that we are saved that we have salvation right at the beginning of our Christian walk he's saying which are able to make you wise for salvation um, I can't see non-Christians reading the Bible um, I know I tried it before I received the Holy Spirit and I found it uh, very, very dry and difficult to plow my way through. And then within one or two days of receiving Jesus and the Holy Spirit into my heart, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. And verses 16 to 17, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And now I'm just going to catch myself and go backwards because it's just a reminder um, that we, God has been reminding us recently that we're coming into a time of great deception. There already has been deception and I encourage you um, all brothers and sisters just as I have done and continue to do to pray and ask the Lord to reveal any deceptions that you may have inadvertently come under because the thing is when we're deceived we don't know it and there can be multiple deceptions so again Heavenly Father in Jesus name I just ask for myself and every brother and sister who's listening to this please let the scales fall from our eyes let the veils be removed Lord and identify any deceptions that we might have come under Lord um, and release us from those in the mighty name of Jesus Christ so that we may know 
truth in Jesus' name and walk in truth and righteousness in the mighty name of Jesus. So back to verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Again, all, this is New Testament, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived and then it continues but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus and really there's nothing but the holy spirit that permeates this entire teaching and this entire process which starts off with what Jesus did on the cross for our salvation and I suppose goes even further back to God's intentions that he's had for us since before the beginning of time and you know he is able to do it but we need to partner with him and be willing and not just not just in lip service and not just in intention but to follow through with our actions and be giving him the time and surrendering our lives to him and asking him knocking persistently crying out to him not running away from that discomfort that comes with godly sorrow but embracing the godly sorrow and asking the holy spirit to lead us through it to partner with us not lead not rising up in rebellion when we feel that discomfort of the conviction of the holy spirit but and and not withdrawing in discouragement but boldly partnering with the holy spirit embracing that godly sorrow and allowing it to bring us to a place of deep um, it may even be deep despair which is okay because then we cry out to God in despair and he helps us bring us to a place of sincere repentance where there may be tears but um, and I've got to learn this scripture because God brings it up time and again he says joy comes in the morning so he's, he relates that to that process of deliverance where we go through the godly sorrow and the repentance and it's a salvation that comes out of that which always feels so amazing, so wonderful and at the moment the Lord truly is pouring out his spirit, his grace upon us so um, I'm just being reminded to yeah, just prompt you to go back and also look at my video if you haven't done so where um, it's titled something like eat and drink for the journey is long that's a very significant um, aspect to what the Lord is teaching us and inviting us to at the moment so eat and drink for the journey is long because he's actually telling us that we cannot do this in our own strength um, in the scripture that that teaching relates to uh, Elijah was told to eat and drink directly from what the Lord gave him not the Lord didn't um, send it with animals on that occasion or with other people but the spirit of the Lord came or the angel of the Lord came and put the food and drink near him and said get up and eat and drink because the journey is long and you won't make it without eating and drinking 
and the scripture says that Elijah ate and drank so the food it was cake and water which to me I equate with God's presence and the holy and the holy scripture and God's rema word the word of God and then it says that he traveled for 40 days in the strength of that meal and so this is what God is really calling us to and I'm, I'm realizing just as I speak this out that it's also a warning that we may have an extended period of time where we don't have access to being fed through the word or through the Holy Spirit for whatever reason what that might look like I don't know my time is running out and I thank you for listening I do pray that this blesses you just a reminder that if it does um, I encourage you to share this with someone that you might think it will, will also bless um, I'm being prompted to say be if you're a little bit tentative because you're not sure how they'll take it um, I believe the Lord's saying bless someone take that chance um, go with the guiding of the Holy Spirit but be check whether it's the Holy Spirit who's preventing you or whether it's your concerns about what what you might look like um, he's saying this is someone's eternal salvation bless you in Jesus name